Welcome to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they applied. In each episode, you'll discover business books past and present that are changing the lives of people just like you. We'll cover some hidden gems, some lost classics, and shed new light on books you thought you knew. Guests range from up-and-coming coaches, consultants, speakers, and authors to big names sharing things they've never shared on podcasts before. I'm Matt Johnson, agency owner, podcaster, and author of Microfamous. I'll be your host for this journey through the land of life-changing books. So let's dig in. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited for you to be here because I have a very special friend to share with you on this opening guest episode of the show. We are talking about both of our favorite books. My guest today is Pat Scopoliti. Some of you might know him as the conciliori. He has a very deep background in professional services and coaching. Uh, he's an executive coach, a leadership coach, and has coached everyone from executive recruiters to small business owners all the way up to the you know uh, VPs and CEOs of, uh, of very large companies. So He's one of my very favorite people, one of my greatest mentors and, and influences on my life. And we're talking about a book that both of us hold very near and dear to our hearts, which is Managing the Professional Service Firm by David Maester. And part of the reason why is because it's the book that Pat sent me that kind of kicked off our friendship outside of just the business relationship of, of how we met. This is actually what kind of kicked off a personal friendship that led to us working together and led to him being a, a, such a mentor and influence in my life. So you'll hear that come through. We have a great rapport. We had a really great time on this particular episode, and we went deep into some of the concepts and strategies that we love from the book. So it is a great book that you absolutely should read, but if you've never heard of it and to have no idea what it is, but you're in the professional services or you're a salesperson or you run any kind of small business where you're selling services, this is a must listen episode. There are absolutely concepts and ideas that we cover in this very short episode that can be potentially life-changing and lead you down completely different paths in your business. So with that being said, let's jump in with Pat Scopoliti. Welcome to One Book That Changed My Life. My good friend, Pat Scopoliti, is here. Uh, this is uh, basically like episode one of the podcast. We're going to have a good time because we're talking about not only just one of both of our favorite books, but it's actually the book that kicked off our relationship. So brief background, and then I'll bring Pat in. So I met Pat. I was booking him on a podcast. He is one of the legends in uh, of business coaching in general, but also specifically in I was booking him on a recruiting podcast because he coaches a lot of the uh, top people in the executive recruiting space. And we had an amazing conversation and had a great time, yada, yada. Well, he sends me this book. This book shows up out of the blue. I'm like, okay. And it's called Managing the Professional Service Firm by David Maester. Uh, and I started jumping into it. I'm like, this is the best book I've ever freaking read. How in the world have I not run across this? And so I got back in touch with Pat and he's like, yeah, no, no, no shit, Sherlock. So let's, <laughs> like you should have known that's about this exactly already. What I said. That's probably exactly what you said. It's like, yeah, I know. That's why I sent it to you. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, so you are a legend in business coaching specifically, you've been doing a lot of work in executive recruiting, but that doesn't matter. What we're talking about is the book managing the professional service room, which we both love. It's very, it's now very dear to both of our hearts. I've, I've read it. You, you gave it to me probably five years ago. I've mm -hmm. read it many times over. You've read it probably many times more than that and internalized it even more than I have. Since 1993. Yeah, exactly. I've been just reading and rereading. Just a few yeah. more years. Yeah, exactly. All right. How old were you then? <laughs> oh, God, don't. Yeah, that's when we begin in that conversation. Uh, sadly, I was I was reading theology books at that, at that age. I know that. But that, but that's part of why I love it because so, I don't know if you knew this, but Richard, Richard Koch, the guy that wrote the 80-20 principle, 
uh, yes. must have some sort of theological background because he made a comment on a podcast interview where he said one of the reasons that he loves business is he's passionate about the theology of business. I'm like, oh, I love oh, that. Man. And I well, didn't no. know that about him. Yeah, but that's I didn't awesome. know that either. Yeah, but no, that's, I've read that's his why book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that would be another book we could talk about. Know, but anyway. <laughs> exactly. We got to stick with this one. All right. No, no, we got to focus. Focus. Exactly. Focus. <laughs> okay. So, so I gave you an introduction. Is there anything that you'd want to add to that? People that, that people should know about you. I made you more profitable. That is true. That is true. You have wonderfully affected the entire structure of my business and life and my entire outlook on goal setting. And in fact, we use this to make you more profitable. That is true. Together. We did that. We did that. I want everyone to know that. And that's part of why I get to be your number one guest. That's right. (laughs) And it it will forever. Nobody will ever hit this bar again (laughs) 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 because they won't have made you profitable. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's jump in. So, okay. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is the the big insight from Maestro, just about the professional services in general and how that applies to everyone. So first of all, if you're not in professional services and you're listening to this, great. Don't turn out or tune out because this is going to apply to you, everything we're going to talk about. And that is the first thing you learn from the book, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes and no. You have part of why you and I have such a deep friendship is because we approach a book every single time carefully. We pay attention to the book. We find its application and we extend its reach. So if you just pick up this book and start reading and, and you're, you're, you're like, you're not in a professional, you're not a lawyer or something, right? You know, how boring. Yeah. And by the way, I had that same reaction myself. As a coach, which is a professional services business, and I serve mainly recruiters, right? They're professional. I found the book boring at first. And there was a question I had to ask. I think I might have told you this. I don't know if you remember or not. I had to ask the question, okay, so this is boring, but are we doing it? That's such a great question. And of course, the answer is no. No, none of us are doing it. And by the way, do you disagree? No, there's no way to disagree. The book is, you know, it's it's a geometric proof. The book, it's as boring as geometry. <laughs> Which I know you know, I adore with all you, my heart. You but do anyway, adore geometry, um, yes. but I, did, I wasn't able to, to do that. I had a client that I was talking to about the book and, you know, we're going back and forth. He's going, have you read it? Really? And I go, oh, shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I actually hadn't. <laughs> that oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, don't make that mistake. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you got to come to the book with the mindset that there is an application somewhere in here mm-hmm. that you're going to agree with, but you're not doing. Yes. Okay. And I don't care who you are. If you're in business going to be stuff in there you agree you're not doing it and that stops being boring it starts being interesting at that point yeah you said something to me before we started recording which was phrased really well so i'll I'll call this like point number one of what we want to get across which is that every company is a professional services firm whether they know it or not yes right and so so what what give me an example of of a business that doesn't sound like it's a professional service but actually is in the professional services business so uh, i will uh but what i'm going to do first is just define professional services. Yeah, go for it. I'm going to do that right now for you. And I don't know if Maester says this or not. He may. But anyway, uh, in a professional service, 
you have knowledge that applies to the customer that the customer does not have. They don't have that knowledge. So they come to you, they're talking to you, and they want your counsel, but they're suspicious of you because they know you're going to try to sell them something. And, you know, who wants to? Everybody wants to buy, but nobody wants to be sold. So, so like, they're all like, you know, armored up against you on the, but they're interested because they got a problem. Mm -hmm. When you can help them solve their problem, you're in a professional services moment. Mm. Even if what you sell is a software or a widget or a thing, in that moment, when they come to you because they have a problem and you have the knowledge to solve it, you are in a professional services moment. That's a great insight. In that moment, they need your coaching. Yeah. You have knowledge that they don't have, and they know that. Mm -hmm. And so they're asking you, but they're scared of you. They're like, oh, like, you know, you know, shielded up again, but they still have to ask. That's the professional services moment. So uh, you're a mechanic. You know, you got a car shop. Mm-hmm. People come in. They don't know what's wrong with their car. And worse, it got towed. <laughs> right? Your car got towed. You have no idea what's wrong with your car. It's just right. like it's not driving. So the mechanic, the, the garage, they're going to like do a diagnosis of your car. Then they're going to tell you what's wrong. They're going to give you the diagnosis. And then what are they going to do? They're going to give you a very expensive prescription for whatever drug they're selling you. (laughs) Uh, Go from there to a dentist. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's wrong with your teeth, but you know it's hurting. (laughs) Should it be pulled? Should it be drilled? Uh, You know, do you need a bridge? You know, what, what do you need? In each case, they have knowledge. You don't. And you depend on them to help you understand. And that's why every business is actually a professional services business. And I'm going to give you one more example that we have not talked about yet. Um, And this is an amazing example to me. Costco. Okay. Elaborate. You go to Costco. You get up to the um, cashier at the end. They ask you, did you find everything you wanted? And most of the time you just say yes, because you're not paying attention, right? Because, you know, you're there, you know, with your $350 worth of purchases, because, you know, you can't spend, uh, you know, less than a hundred. It's not allowed. So anyway, <laughs> and you just want to get done and go, right? But then if you ever say to them, well, no, I was looking for, they either have the answer instantly or a manager comes by. Mm-hmm. And they will do this. They will stop the transaction. They will get a manager to come. They will check the computer system. They'll check the inventory. You know, I live in Charlottesville, Virginia. The warehouse, I believe, is in Richmond, right? So they will check the warehouse in Richmond. <laughs> They've got all this information. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In They're that moment. actually coaching me over what is available. My favorite example of that happened a couple of months ago, uh, my wife is crazy for their summer. I didn't know this then. For their summer potato salad, you know, it's, a, it's like you know, this, yeah. right? and of course it's a it's a tub. Yeah. Yes, it's a tub. Uh, and it's loaded. It's like a loaded potato. You know, bacon, cheese. Mm-hmm. You know, right. So she loves this thing, right? And I'm looking at it. So they ask me, "Did you find everything you want?" I go, "No." What about your potato salad? We don't have that right now. Okay. And, but let me get my manager. Hmm. Manager comes and explains to me that it is actually a summer product. Oh, they don't sell it in the spring. 
they sell it in the summer and he gives me a forecast. He gives me like three or four weeks. We should have it in. He's not sure. He can't be sure. He's honest. Do you have any idea how happy my wife was with me when I came home with that information? <laughs> like a potato salad meteorologist. There oh, wow. we go. That's so awesome. that's my case. Okay. Every so, business is a professional service firm. Everyone. Got it. Love it. So everything in the book applies, regardless of what business you're in, which is amazing. Uh, let's talk about um, the the three uh, types of people, the three types of firms, like whatever, whatever one would call it. So uh, David Maser calls it brains, gray hair, and procedure. So let's let's define what in the heck that means and why that was such a big big deal for both of us. Yeah. Um, which one do you want to go first of the mm -hmm. three? Oh, which one of the three? Well, let's start at the top. Let's go with brains. Okay. The managers at Costco are the brains. The cashiers are not. Yeah. So they would be the procedure people is the yep. cashiers at Costco. The managers are the brains. Now, the procedure people are very well trained at Costco. So no disrespect. <laughs> well, no disrespect to anyone. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of the greatest principles in Maester, and we can use it with just these two, brains and procedure, is leverage. Yeah. So when you're, you know, your job is brains. You're the manager at Costco. Your job is brains. You need your procedure people to be the best people in the world. And by the way, Costco really does know that. And mm -hmm. they and you know what they've done? They've replaced Walmart because Walmart used to have this exact strategy when Sam Walton was running it so that the greeter at the front was a procedure person and was the best person in the world at that. They were a grandpa like your your aging uncle or your grandma, but they, they smiled at you. They yeah. asked you how you were. You remember this, right? Yeah. That's gone now. That is gone. Yeah. And what I'm telling you is that Costco has competitively defeated Walmart by making sure that their procedure people are the best in the world. Mm, I did not know that. That's interesting. But yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I can, I can tell you like in, in my podcast production business like that's that's the key to the whole thing running smoothly yes. and not taking over my entire life is having the best possible procedure people i can get which means i don't hire brains or gray hairs to fill those no. roles right because those people brains and gray hair don't want to do procedure stuff no hire people for what they're good at for the right function within the business exactly right yeah. so the leverage concept in maester ties to his other phenom this concept i kid you not it changed my life the mm. coming concept <laughs> Upper out. Okay. All right. Elaborate. Well, I am a natural capitalist, but I haven't always been a true capitalist. I became yes. one later in life after I first read Maester and he, he played the part, a part. Anyway, up or out. You have to have people that are motivated to do what they're doing competitively. If you don't give them competition, so that's the up. And if they don't see people going out, then you don't get the best of what they have to offer. Yeah, that was and that was life changing for me too. Say what? That that was life changing for me too. Uh, just just in the context of understanding that good procedure people might be with you for a while, but odds are gray hairs and brains. If you find them. Uh, you either have to give them a huge opportunity to grow within your growing firm, which means exactly your firm right. has to be growing at a certain rate, et cetera. Or if your firm is not, because for me, it's a lifestyle business, right? I'm not interested in growing the maximum sized business. So yes. I'm not interested in the maximum growth, which means I have to create up or out opportunities <clears throat> that involve people coming in, working, apprenticing, and me setting them up to leave 
in a way that benefits both of us and leaves my business better when they leave because they've improved the systems while they're here. So yeah, it literally changed the entire way that I looked at my entire team, how long they stayed and who I expect to stay for a long time versus others. And your business is growing in spite of you anyway. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, you have no idea how much I love that. I love that. <laughs> anyway, um, exactly right. So the upper out where you're looking at the gray hairs, the brains and the procedure people where, where you're analyzing that and you're identifying quality of performance at every level so that the upper out is based on who won competitively, who gave the greatest value compared to other people. That upper out concept blew my mind. And your idea about making sure that your people leave better off than they arrived, I think you might recall, we talked about the McKinsey firm. Because after I read Maester the third or fourth time and got less bored, uh, (laughs) I started studying, uh, I had been studying coaching and consulting firms for many years at that point. Hmm. And I knew about the McKinsey firm, but I didn't have the perspective. But when I read Maester and I read Upper Out, I'm going, oh, that's from McKinsey. Hmm. And so the McKinsey firm is the greatest example in the world of Upper Out, but where on the outside, they are friends forever. Yes. And so what they do, or at least what they used to do, I I haven't studied in a while, so I don't know if they're still doing it today. They probably are. But anyway, what they used to do was, and this I really did know once upon a time, um, was they would hire three people into the exact same spot, and it would be an initial training position. They would keep those people in position for a year. And these people are being trained and they're being flown around the world. They're in five-star hotels in Tokyo and they're working together. And they, they were judged by whether or not they would work together with the other two. But they all know. So all three of them know only one is going to stay. <laughs> and yet they still had to work together for that. Yeah, they become friends. Yeah. That you know They spend all their time together. They're basically not encouraged to have families. You know? <laughs> You know, they're busy, right? So they're out and about and they they expense everything, right? The whining, whining, flying around the world, first class this, corporate jet that, you know. So they're like, you know, it's fun. (laughs) But at the end of the year, two are going to go and one is going to stay. Now, what happens to the two, you may recall, what happens to the two is that the McKinsey firm has people who manage their careers for the rest of their careers, not manage, manage. It's not like an employee, you know, it's not like a uh, talent agency in Hollywood, Yeah, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> There's no dollar exchange involved, none. Yeah. But they care where those people go. And those people, the two that were, you know, that didn't Rejected. make it, yeah. the ones that are on the out, they become CEOs of corporations. And guess what happens then? Mm-hmm. Come on, turn, you can do it. Turn around and hire McKinsey. There you go. <laughs> I think that is one of the most profound and powerful business strategies in history. Yeah. And Maester helps us understand it. I, I had read about it. I had known about it. I, I was tempted because, you know, I really am a natural capitalist, but I didn't like it. You know, I believed at the time in lifetime employment. With yep. the firm. I, I actually really did. I believed in that. And, you know, I'm seeing Maester and it's up or out. And I'm going, 
that's no good until I read Mister. Yeah. And then I, wow. Yeah. Blew my mind. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's, and it's tempting for anyone that owns a business to want that, to want the light, you know, the people that stay around. Uh, it just happens that one of my clients grew up with a stepdad that was an entrepreneur. And he hmm. always said, the worst people for your business are the ones that never leave. <laughs> Not a great line. Hey, you know, performance is going down, but we love each other. And you really do. You really yeah. do. And this is a, a, an under understood, a misunderstood. Give me the right word. Anyway, this under, is a not underutilized, maybe. Huh? Underutilized concept? No, no. It's not understood. Oh, okay. People don't understand that business runs more on love than cash. Okay, that's that's a line I never expected you to say. It's true. Okay. What does that mean? You end up loving your people in spite of yourself. Okay. That is true. And it's the love of your people that makes you keep them. <laughs> longer than you should. Longer than you should. And longer than they should because they right. love you too. Right. And there's nothing wrong with love. Quite the contrary. It's actually the ultimate value. Hmm. A professional services firm should run on love, believe it or not. And they do. People don't admit it. But and Maester doesn't talk about this. This is me now. Yeah. <laughs> um, the business runs on love. It always does. Your clients love you when they hire you and they love you when you transform something wonderful for them. And then you stop being so valuable and then they start hating you and then they fire you. <laughs> Ah, uh, the business coaching slash consulting cycle. Gotta love it. Uh, that's it. And, yeah. But it's true in every business. Mm -hmm. um, pick it, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of hung up on retail right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I do shop at Walmart. I do. But I spend 30% less than I used to at Walmart. Because of Costco? And it's not so much because of Costco. It's because Walmart doesn't do what Sam Walton designed it to. And I remember when Sam Walton was the guy. <laughs> I remember that. And I remember what the business was like back then. And you could walk in and you could buy anything without even thinking about it, knowing you were going to get the best price. And it's the highest, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the highest value brands, you know, retail brands. So your Colgate toothpaste or whatever, right? Um, you could pick it up. Throw it in your shopping cart and you don't even have to look at the price because you know it's going to be a lower price for that thing than you're going to get it anywhere else. Right. Now at Walmart, I have my smartphone. Mm -hmm. I look at something. I'm going, is that the best price? I put it in here. It's often not. Interesting. And I'm not alone. If you go to Walmart and watch. You're going to see people with their smartphones punching the, you know, whatever the thing is, <laughs> the hairbrush, whatever it is, right? They punch it into their phone to find out whether or not it's. Now, this is actually a good thing all around, right? right. I yeah. love technology. Yeah. I love the Internet. I love the fact that this stuff happens. I love that. But it's not good for Walmart. Yes. Well, yeah, they've lost their, their position, their brand position in the minds and hearts of people. Exactly. I should be able to, you know, put my smartphone in my pocket, walk around in case I'm going to call or text message, mm -hmm. and never have to look at it when I'm chopping for the shit I'm chopping for. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. And that, that goes to the, I think one of the 
points of, uh, of Maester when he was talking about the brains, gray hair, and procedure is it affects what people you hire and what roles you expect them to do. But you also have to recognize that you, your entire company is viewed that way by the clients that hire you. You're either brains, so you're hired for your frontier expertise, cutting edge expertise, gray yes. hair, your experience in solving problems that have probably been solved before, but maybe not specifically for this client. And then procedure, which is that it's been done a thousand times and I just need somebody to do it for less efficiency. than with the, yeah, efficiency, right? So yeah, that was one of the big insights for me was, oh my God, this is like clients want me to be one of these three things. Which one am I going to be? And you can't be more than one. You That's cannot. what Maester's contention was. And he's right about that. Like from You're a marketing totally perspective, right. you cannot occupy two different hills. And that most yeah, that's been are... a big problem with my own personal business design. Yes. <laughs> well, you've <laughs> always no. been your combination of brains and, and gray hair. You've never been procedural ever. You could have built a that's procedural firm, maybe. No, no, I, I really have so? been procedural. Um, mm -hmm. I used to be bad at it. Now I'm starting to get good at it, believe it or not. Right. But I'm coaching procedure as a brainy gray haired guy. Yes. <laughs> But you see, that's still a problem with my business design. <laughs> I got no damn leverage. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. Well, that's because you're a brains firm. You're not a procedural firm. If you had a, if you had a, like, that's what Maester, like, that's what the insights of the book give you the ability to do. Like, after I was done reading Maester and really absorbed it, and I'd read it a couple of times, I found that I was able to diagnose business problems insanely fast compared to my my previous understanding like at one point i remember i showed you this i had like a little matrix of how to decide if a business opportunity was good or not all yes. based on what maester said in his book it was like a series yeah, of yes, no boxes and stuff <laughs> it was yeah, beautiful like, too. yes you thank still you. have it uh yeah it's in a notebook somewhere um, yeah you should like publish that yeah i should dig that up uh yeah anyway. it just it gave me it the was great, it was like it was like laser job. yes like reading maester was like giving me like laser insight ability to like instantly know oh this is the problem it's also why i got out of all the other partnerships and ventures i was in because of a little, <laughs> because of a little section in his book called compensation <laughs> partner compensation um yeah there's there's so and I much mention somebody whom i'm thinking about right two yes. somebody's anyway yeah, exactly <laughs> so uh yeah i mean it, it's it's a life-changing book but it basically Give, gave me the ability to diagnose business prob business problems very, 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 very quickly. So if anyone's listening or watching or whatever, and you're wondering like, what's the big payoff? That's the payoff. The ability to look at your business or anyone else's and instantly get a quick sense of what's going on and what the core problem is. Like a book like Maester's will give you that ability, I think. Oh, brilliant point. I'm going to expand on it quickly. Those of us who do the stuff that you and I do, we talk about business and stuff like that all the time. So we have conversations and they're often driven by this issue or that issue or the other. So that's a conversation. There's something called a meta, M-E-T-A, a meta conversation, where what you're doing in that, you're, you're having a conversation, but you're talking about how you converse. Okay. That's what Meister gives us. He gives us a way to think about what we're doing as opposed to think about what we're doing. <laughs> like okay. to think about how we're doing it. Right. He, he forces. And you know what? You've really pushed me here. And I, I love that. He forces you to think strategically. Right. Yeah. It's just impossible reading the book. to read Maester from a 
merely tactical perspective. Now, tactics are fabulous. And that's what we converse about all the time. We converse about tactics. The meta conversation is a strategic conversation. And so when you think about brains, gray hairs, and procedural people, and you look at your business and what are your customers buying and what may, and using my point, what makes them love you? What stops them from loving you so that they start hating you? (laughs) That's a meta conversation about business. And no book that I have ever read to include my beloved Peter Drucker, no book that I've ever read about business has ever forced that meta conversation in my mind or empowered me as a coach to have that meta conversation with people like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no book has had greater impact on my professional life than David Macer's. Wow. Boring though it started something. out to be. <laughs> Considering you're the person that had like what like the largest private library that had to be moved to and then back from Mexico back in yes. the States. <laughs> yes. Uh, both my moving company and the consulate told me no library from America, from North America, the United States yeah. has no library of this size has ever been moved south of the border. <laughs> and for people that are listening, uh, we lived there for five years. Yeah. We actually thought we were going to live there forever. That's another story for another day. We came back. And so we had to move it back again, like you just said. (laughs) But that's, I believe, historic, and I don't think it'll ever change. You know, I've got that record, like, forever. Exactly. (laughs) All right, what's the uh, the best way for people to reach out and connect with you? Um, Theconciliary.com. I know, it's a ridiculous name. It is what I do. I am... Uh, I am the conciliary, so I have to like spell it T-H-E-C-O-N-S-I-G-L-I-O-R-I.com. You can tell I've done that before. I know nobody does the dot coms anymore, but I'm still from that era. Anyway, <laughs> uh, just check out my website, the conciliary, and uh, you can take it from there. Uh, there, there. There are things you can do there. There's a journey to take, the article to download, self-assessments. It's all good. And you'll end up, you know, like hooking up with only me because I'm still unleveraged. (laughs) (laughs) But brilliantly so. Okay. Well, thank you. (laughs) Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it as always. Oh, it's great, Matt. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now, to get the micro-famous field report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, everything goes into the micro-famous field report. So go to Substack, sign up for that today so you get that. And stay tuned for the next episode of One Book That Changed My Life. We'll see you there.